seeks to prove that arty and trashy movies have a lot in common. You don't need to enjoy just one or the other. So we will take our movie of the week and pair it with something artier or trashier and hope that you discover an unexpected new favorite or at the very least are entertained. My name is Nick, I am one of your hosts, and with me as always is the Akira motorcycle slide to my sentient, unfillable stomach. Aaron is here. Hi, Aaron. Hi. That might be your most accurate <laughs> intro of us both yet. <laughs> yep, I think so. Felt good when I settled on that. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that seems really, right. For any of your first-time listeners, they'll be like, I understand what both of these people are about. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah, You know us now. Welcome. Welcome. How are you, Nick? Oh, I'm good. Let me think. Did anything happen this week? Hmm. 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 That's right. We are currently married to each other now. (laughs) What a way of phrasing it. Yes. We are coming at you live from being married. Yep. It's the first time we've recorded having had that happen to us. And, uh... That's true. Yeah. So we're no longer podcasting in sin. <laughs> but that's why I wanted to do it actually. It's more fun. Oh to yeah, podcast the thrill is gone. It. Yeah. <laughs> so domestic yeah. now. I don't know. Trapped in our domestic life in our we're we're sitting on a white picket fence as we record this. It it's, hurts a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a good scene. I feel like both of us actively struggled not to mention the podcast in our vows too. <laughs> Can't speak for you, but uh yeah, you tried to, and Correct. you choked. <laughs> I literally choked. I'm trying to be... I'm a married woman now. I have to be more careful about my hydration levels. I don't know. I have to take care of myself better. What no, that's my do? job. It was literally in my vows All that right. I worry about your hydration levels. That's true. And here yeah. we are. Yes. And here we are. Yes. And so what I'm trying to say is we both said, yep, but that's the opposite of what we're oh, doing God. today. That's right. We're talking about <laughs> Nope. <laughs> I joked again. (laughs) What if I told you that today you'll leave here different? Pops! Pops! I'm talking to you. Bro, what'd you see? Something above the clouds. That's big. How big? Big. You think whatever killed Pops is out there? Right here, you are going to witness an absolute spectacle. So what happens next? Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Here we go. That's right, we're continuing. It's summertime. It's our scary summer, which uh shout out to one of us of Oh, shout out to one of us is bored podcast for providing a much better name, which is Sunscream. Sunscream. <laughs> Yes, thank you too. I think Sam. Yeah, Sam and Callum. Yeah. yeah, who are marketing geniuses, and uh, yeah, that's what we're going to be calling this uh, this summer sunscreen, where sunscreen. we take horror movies in the summer, expose them to the light of day. <laughs> Which on theme here, because a lot of these <laughs> in are this case. taking place at night, but also it's one of our sunniest. <laughs> yes, this specific movie is 
you know, high noon fucking horror movie here. So, <laughs> apropos. Yep. I yeah. wrote down here that this movie is from 2002, which that can't be is right. Clearly not right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Nick, you're fired. <laughs> I'm taking but executive But no, I just got charge. married. I have a family to support. <laughs> I have mouths to feed. Mine. <laughs> and As this reference. thing in the sky. <laughs> well, you have a job for you there. I'll mm-hmm. tell you. Uh, for those, you know, anytime there's a more recent movie that we're doing, I like to explicitly mention that we'll go full spoilers. This is one that really pays to not know what yes. you're doing going in. Yeah, agree. Uh, it's quite a thrill ride yes. to go on. Do you want to give the non-spoiler summary yeah. first? Okay. Really, really like one sentence kind of <laughs> kind of thing here. Residents in a lonely gulch of inland California bear witness to an uncanny, chilling discovery in the sky. <gasps> that's it. Yep, that's pretty much as much as you can say without, yeah. Yep, without giving it away. And okay. it, yeah, it is great to go into knowing nothing because it really is all about, there's just a lot of playing with your expectations both in terms of what a jordan peele movie is going to be and also what you're seeing makes you go like oh i know what this is and there's a lot of like logical leap shortcuts in there that really good payoff on them there's a lot of very satisfying like i i i'm pretty sure i know what i'm seeing and then you don't (laughs) haha fuck you know haha just kidding yeah the jordan peele classic (laughs) haha fuck you no you don't know (laughs) yes yep Used to great effect. Yeah. Which, yeah, speaking of which, Jordan Peele, directed, written, obviously produced the Triple Threat classic. What year is it actually from? It's from 2022. Oh, great. Okay, got right? it. Right? I think so. Now, now I'm second-guessing this. <laughs> I actually have to look this up. No, I, I think so. I, I have a quote from him that's like, we. I wanted to, I wrote it in a time when we were a little bit worried about the future of cinema, and that seems yeah. like pandemic adjacent. So. And I, it was definitely written in the pandemic, because mm. he was like, uh, we're all inside. The last thing I want to do is make a movie that looks like it's taking place inside, so it will all be outside. <laughs> you don't want to see the sky again? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Remember the sky. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, who's in this here movie? We got uh, Daniel Kaluuya, who is always fantastic. So good. Yep. Uh, I think it's incredibly funny that they let him keep the quarter that kills his dad. (laughs) In a little biohazard bag yeah feels like you should by definition not be letting that go home from the hospital but no that someone is missing that oh i guess i'm assuming they let him keep it but (laughs) yeah maybe some slight crime i thought you meant the original owner of the quarter and i was like "Mm, i think by definition they are no longer in a position to miss that quarter no they are not Got Kiki Palmer, who I don't know from anything else personally. She, she does a fantastic job. Yeah, I just know her from being around. Yeah. I haven't seen anything else with her in it, I don't think. Yeah. Also great. I love them very much as siblings. Yeah. Um, they have a very funny, like, we get on each other's nerves immediately, but not, yeah, I don't know. In, not in a way where you're like, why do these two even want to spend time with each other? No, you can feel the obligation. Yes. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's very funny. Yeah, you got uh, Stephen Yun. Always a pleasure to see Stephen. <laughs> Always a pleasure, Stephen. <laughs> uh, we're shaking hands. Yeah. The thing that the only thing I knew going into this is his little the Catan monologue from the beginning. Oh yeah. Because people were just posting about it endlessly, and it's like, <laughs> why is everybody suddenly obsessed with Chris Catan? And then we get to that point in the movie, like, oh, uh, I see. I see. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. 
Agree. I feel like, oh, you may be already coming to it, but I want to shout out Brandon Priya for being like a new face on the scene. And he's so good. He's in so this. good. Yeah. yeah. And I think the he was originally written as like a quiet little dweeb. Right. I can see him being like the, the sidekicky tech guy. Yeah. But yeah. then all the like the his like weird obsessions and being like a little little like fuckboy wannabe is what it yeah. feels like to me. <laughs> he's he's like uh, I want to be the cool kid, but also I like AV stuff. Like all of that is Brandon Priya. Yeah, like maybe he smoked a little too much weed in high school, and now his brain is like a little not right, but he's <laughs> like. Uh, uh, he wants to help. Yeah. Like, California is just, like, not good for him necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah, underneath all <laughs> He's really struggling. The layers is the dweebiness, but he's like, oh, I gotta frost my tips and I gotta... Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yes, I agree. New face on the scene. Look forward to seeing more. Uh, Michael Wincott, again, I don't know him from anything, but he will be mm. forever in my heart for his menacing uh, rendition of Flying Purple People Eater. <laughs> when you get Michael Wincott, that's what you got to do with him. Yeah, yeah. it's it's Very just funny. It's wonderful. <laughs> I feel like I know him from a, a couple of like animated uh, movies and stuff. Yes, yeah. he's got a he's got a voice for using an animation. Yes, for sure. That feels right. Yeah, very much. And speaking of voices. Keith David is there. Oh, yes, of course, yeah. It's not, like, big impression or anything, but Kaluuya always sounds... Like, he does such a good job of sounding like Keith David Totally, is. yes, very Especially much. Especially when he's being curt. Like, he's he just sounds... It just It's so perfect. I... Yeah. There was this moment we saw Spider-Verse a couple weeks ago, and there was a big, like, oh, who's playing Hobie? And the, like, <laughs> reminder for me, but you didn't realize that he's English. I had no English. idea he's a British person. Yeah. Jump scare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, I mean, acting, obviously. Yeah. But there is that, as with the Emerald OJ sibling relationship, the very few and short scenes with Otis Sr. and OJ mm. It's very clear that, like, yes, they are related, and also they have all of this backstory of, like, you know, yeah, being family members. It's it's great. They're really good together. They are. I yeah. It's like you just get a hint of the dynamic, and you're like, I can fill all that in. I understand yes, everything. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. The usual rule applies here. Uh, improve your movie by having Keith David in it. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to t- tell Jordan Peele nothing, but yeah. Applause yeah, for that decision. Yeah, that's more of a like on the bingo card. Like he did yeah. great. Yep. Uh, and uh, with Terry Notary as Gordy. Right. I would love if he also did all the horses for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> He's that good. You guys. He is. Yeah. You won't believe it. <laughs> you won't believe Terry Notary is a horse. Terry Notary is unrecognizable as Ghost the horse. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, fun thing. So Notary's not like a small guy. He's not overly big either. Mm. But like chimps are quite small. Yeah. So what they did, I didn't really, this is one of those like happy accident things I feel like. Beyond a few sprinting people and like a shot of legs, you don't see any people on screen with Gordy ever. True, right. So what they did there, it's all just Gordy on screen. And all of the set is, like, built larger to make him oh. look small, which is great. So, like, those, those really couches and chairs we're seeing are, like, five or six feet high. <laughs> and just to dwarf him a little bit. It's so it's so good. I would not have thought twice about it, but it no, just totally. looks perfect. I, I have always assumed that Terry Notary is a little guy because he's playing so many chimps. Yeah. Nope. Okay. 
it just it made me go back through like thinking about the Planet of the Apes and like how often are they on camera with people? Like yeah. really not that often. Really like famously, it is Terry Notary, right? In that scene where he sort of sidles up to two guards and like messes with them a little bit. Oh, is he He's Rocket? Yeah, Oh, Koba, that's right. That's no, he's Koba Rocket. That yeah, he's Rocket. But oh, then Koba never mind. The that okay, that, that is the one. Then never mind. Strike this from the record. Actually, don't. I just want us all to remember that scene. <laughs> Great. Okay. Fun. Yeah. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go watch Planet of the Apes. Just fun. go for it. <laughs> yeah. I don't often shout them out, but I want to shout the cinematographer here, Hoyt Van Hoytema. Oh, yes. Who is... Oh, I got name. a little bit of info. I don't know cameras, but uh, a lot of, like, <laughs> new stuff figured out on this oh, yeah? uh, shoot, which is very cool. Oh, I love when this happens, where yeah. they're like, I know what I want it to look like. Invent something around that, please. Yeah, exactly. Dope. Very much one of these movies. Okay. But uh, before I forget about it, music by Michael Abels, who's been yeah. uh, the composer for all of Jordan Peele's movies. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love the soundtracks for Jordan Peele movies. Yeah, I know. All they're, three, so good. They're really distinctive while not like reinventing anything, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I just like Michael Abels. I just read a little bit about him. He's the co-founder of the Composers Diversity Collective, which is an advocacy group to increase visibility of composers of color in film, gaming, and streaming media. So Dope. Like, he's just like trying to get, yeah, yeah. people who don't... On the scene. <laughs> ...aren't just white people yep. on the scene. Because <laughs> it is alarmingly rare. Yes. Yeah. That is awesome. He's a very... Yeah, like you said, it's just very distinct stuff. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack for us in particular is yes. very much like, I'm hearing it now, like I still remember, <laughs> and it's it's almost not, yeah, it's super good, super tied to the atmosphere of the movie, and we all know, you know, it's particularly on this spot how much the, the music makes a difference, but mm-hmm. there's one little, like, this is, you know, Nope is semi-a-Western, and it gives <laughs> yep. a little, like, a little riff on some Magnificent Seven type uh, action scenes that I just, oh, I love. It's such a moment of, like, unleashed fun yeah. in this, like, very tense movie. I'm picturing whenever Kui is on a horse, yeah. like the the big ride with a jean jacket, and yeah. the, the very ending of yes. the ending yeah, shot of the, the, the siblings. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Thanks, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a quote here for you to jump into one discussion bit. Let's go for um, it. I don't know why. I feel like I suddenly felt like I was leading like a campfire <laughs> sing along. You are now the camp counselor of this relationship. <laughs> yeah. Upsetting dynamic. <laughs> Just going to barrel through without thinking about it. Just that. not going to... Oh, yep. Quote, if one thinks about the way Jean Jacket feeds and the concept of people ascending to heaven, one can connect the dots that Jean Jacket's species has been with humanity for a long time and an attack from one of the creatures could be misinterpreted as something from the divine. Ooh. Ooh spooky. <gasps> so I want to talk about Jean Jacket because I think Let's it's the coolest it. creature design in a minute. In to the a... point of like... Yeah. I, we talked about this a lot after watching it. It's just like, I need to see anatomical diagrams. <laughs> like I've, I need a biology textbook just for Jean Jacket. Yeah, yeah, I have never finished a movie and been like so convinced of something being so weirdly possible that I was yeah. like, I gotta figure this out. <laughs> I know, where you're like, that's, that's bananas. It must be real. I need to know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so... Like I said, full spoilers, so go watch the damn movie. But uh, 
Jean Jacket is alive, and we've got like yes, Jean Jacket is the so the the chilling discovery is that there's ostensibly a UFO, and you can see it, and it looks very much like a little yeah, like one of these yeah little flying saucers, but big yeah, but it's got some kind of aperture in it, and as time goes on, we figure out it's alive, and that's its mouth yeah. or eye. No, I'm never really yeah. sure. Which yeah. the eye is within, which is yes. like. There's a lot of fucked up. I mean, yeah, we'll get into biology it. But, stuff. And then when it yeah. gets threatened, when it feels angry and territorial, it get big. It gets huge. Some of the coolest shots in a monster movie. Yeah. When yes. we've got the big, like the, the square eye is so cool. Yes. That it's like flaring at things to be like, that is such a recognizable, like an animal throwing out a... I have to know, yeah. like, yeah, how they designed this and, like, what animals did they take. Like, mm. that that flaring, like, make yourself look big motion and also yeah. the vivid colors of it is, like, uh, through all of nature. Like, it, it feels like something that was born on Earth because yeah. that's such a recognizable, like, animal kingdom thing. Yeah, it's so, so cool. speaking about the eye, the eye is one of the only things that is fully, like, made up. It's not really based on anything. That okay. was a Jordan Peele, I want this thing. It's so cool but it it, fe- it feels like it fits perfectly right totally i'd look at that and be like you know on a planet earth segment and be like oh sure i've never <laughs> heard of this but that makes sense that's freaky yeah. yeah so he had like a science team working with him oh cool and uh one of the people is kelsey rutledge who is a graduate student at university of california she made up a whole mock scientific paper written <laughs> as though she had they had like discovered a new species yeah. so like the character names are on there as co-discoverers. It's very funny. But Adorable. The Latin name is Oculonimbus Edoequus. Oculonimbus Edoequus, which means... I know Oculonimbus must be, yeah. Uh, hidden Dark Cloud Stallion Eater. Oh, God! <laughs> it's literally a flying people eater. Yeah. Not purple, though. Well, dark clouds are purple. Oh, fair. I think we've got a little cute joke in there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so there's all sorts of, like, it creates vapor to build clouds around itself to stay hidden. Okay. It's got, like, a stealth mode and a territorial protection mode, whatever, like, make yourself big kind of mode. All of this is, like, pretty standard nature stuff. Like, shooting up vapor is a thing that, like, lots of bugs can do. Oh, yeah, true. Lots of undersea things. So the heaviest inspirations from, like... A conceptual point of view, not surprising at all to those that know. Jaws, just for like not ever quite seeing it and just vague unease. But yeah. uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, biggest. Sure. And a lot of these like cloud tank special effects that they use in Close Encounters oh, are used in this for yeah, the clouds and see. stuff. Yeah. Which is very cool. And uh, those that have watched some anime, you will not be uh, surprised to learn that Jordan Peele fucking loves anime. (laughs) And uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion is uh, the main inspiration for the big version of... The angels. Yeah. Are like, it's a a version of an angel, yeah. Yeah, and there's one in the... It's been such a long time since I've seen this, but like, there's one of the angels that's a big eye in the sky. Right. And the angel version of Jean Jacket is based mostly on that. Yeah, got it. Okay. Yeah, so here's some cool stats. In the saucer format, when he's a little UFO, 240 feet in diameter, so he's a big boy. Okay, yeah. Uh, and the 
look of the skin and the setup of it is based on sand dollars. So, oh, sure. Which okay. is, I read that as like, oh yeah, of course. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where you're you're watching it when you're still convinced it's a UFO, it's a machine. Yeah. And you're like, there's just something like upsettingly organic looking about the texture. Yeah. You can't quite, and you're like, is that because it's too high up or it's moving too fast? Like, no, it's just skin. And then toward the end, we get lots of like, way closer shots of it you can see like there's wrinkles in it and it, yeah it looks really organic you can know. see what the digestive tract is like yep. up close and personal <laughs> uh so it's propulsion thing so the one of the the scientists i'll get to him in a second was like a expert on jellyfish propulsion and unsteady fluid mechanics and flow physics guys <laughs> Yeah, so triple threat. Brought in a guy that's like, I want it to look right, basically. Sure. This fucked up thing. So its propulsion is based on a comb jellyfish. So okay. I don't go Google an image of a comb, <laughs> uh, comb jellyfish. They're flat discs. Okay. They have no like seemingly no outside anything. Like they don't have tentacles. They don't have flippers. Nothing. Yeah. But they. Uh, they're really quiet. They don't disturb the water around them when they move. They're stealth hunters. Oh, so creepy. exact same thing. They will just shoot up behind something and unfurl oh. and. Um, <laughs> but they use propulsion by like intaking water and then shooting it out behind. Oh, them. sure. Yeah. So it's little jet propulsiony things underwater. Cute. Shouldn't surprise that a lot of the creature stuff is based on deep sea. Yeah. Underwater freakies. That tracks, yeah. (laughs) The worst place on Earth. Yep. We should never go. And the unfurling into the angel form is based on tuna. Bluefin tuna. What the fuck? Yeah, bluefin tuna have a fin that is invisible until they start getting threatened and then they'll fire it up. What the shit? Yeah, it just looks like a big sail. Okay. And tuna are like alarmingly big. Huge, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like just generally jellyfish, octopuses, squid, that's what we're basing it on. But the stomach. The stomach. The internal stomach view is based on like almost one to one of an ocean filter feeder called a giant larvation. Ew. Everything about that I hate. Yeah, it's giant in terms of like they're almost microscopic. Like they're very small. (laughs) Okay, good. Uh, But it builds what's referred to as an organic house. On top of itself okay. to filter stuff through. Okay. And it just looks, it looks exactly like the internal jean jacket images. Okay. And it's the same thing where jean jacket's sucking up air to go yeah. through it. Whereas this little guy sucks water through and sure, just catch sure. like plankton and little, oh, little bits. Oh, okay. So presumably like some of the air that it sucks up to, to get people off the ground, it can just then use as propulsion or whatever. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then okay. same idea if there's bullshit in there that it, it can't eat it just lets it go right back into the water which is just such a like oh they didn't have to work very hard on that. no nope, we have one of those apparently <laughs> i tell yeah. you the the sea is a horrible horrible place and we should never go there <laughs> um but to like you just said it's the idea is that it's just riding air currents so it's like really yeah. light so behaving like the water versions of itself yeah fluid dynamics yeah and the electric field stuff, there's a, a something called a ghost nightfish that just works exactly <laughs> like Jean Jacket does. Oh, okay. Like, again, virtually no difference, just on way smaller scale. Sure. Of course, which is classic creature feature stuff. You just make just it make big. Just make it big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the skin texture. So the skin texture, they tried to make it as cloth-like as possible mm. to make it look like it's light enough that it could actually stay up. Sure. Which is very cool and makes sense when it unfurls into... There's clearly lots of air pockets and stuff that's... Yeah. yeah. 
Nice. Uh, oh, I want to read this paper so bad. <laughs> they did cut a bunch of scenes where they got into like explanations and hypothesizing on like, is this really an alien or is it actually here? We, yeah. yeah. But I think it works better with having that mystery to it. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't I don't think there's any, you know, we've we've all seen the movie where they sit around and they come up with a hypothesis and then one person says like a word where it's like oh wait say that again salt and we they yeah. use salt to find, like somebody's like i need salt for my tomato sandwich and yeah we're like wait a minute that's wait a second thing that will kill it yeah <laughs> i don't think there's any sense in pretending like any of us are equipped to do that so might as well just not not worry about it so that's that's about like it's funny you you do a lot of looking into the creature design, and John DeBerry was the the flow physics guy. Mm. Um, between him and Kelsey Rutledge, they gave a lot of talks about, like, yeah, they wanted it to be really science-heavy, so, like, virtually everything you're seeing is based in something or other. Um, That's perfect, though. You just don't need to put that... It, it's already on the screen. You don't yeah. need to sit around and talk about it. They did their work. It shows, and... That's it's a visual medium. <laughs> we yeah. can see it. It's and fine. I really like John DeBerry was super duper into the whole thing, and he's like, "Yeah, talking about jellyfish when it's a big angel, it's it's basically a jellyfish. That's yeah. what they look like. Yeah. There's a lot of negative space inside of them, so that right. makes sense how it, it can go between the forms. There are jellyfish that do that too, but he's like, I want there to be a sequel because there's this one jellyfish called the immortal jellyfish. <laughs> Dramatic. Yep. Uh, it can't die. <laughs> You can blow off parts of it, and unless you, like, fully incinerate every aspect of it, it'll just find a way to fix itself. Yeah, gross. Yeah. Okay. They're real deep sea fuckers, though. I bet. <laughs> Why do we go down there? <laughs> oh, listeners, if you take away anything from this episode, let it be that the sea is not your friend. It's constantly giving us warnings. Yeah. We gotta stay out of that Gotta business. learn. <laughs> uh, but all That's this awesome. goes really straight into i want to talk about the cinematography stuff yeah sure yeah this this movie is so like i'm very tempted to just call it a straight up western for mm. you know all the reasons that i've talked about in past <laughs> episodes where it's R- like some of them down though i want to hear a little bit of well you know like there's obviously just the whole visual language of it where mm. there's this like wide open you know the possibilities of a wide open horizon and all of this and and the threat suddenly of like something's moving into your territory <laughs> which is something that you really only get in areas where it's so sparsely populated you know Mm. or there aren't so many like permanent settlements and things like that and it's got this like town ain't big enough for the two of us you know like if it was a bigger more built-up place you'd be like i don't care be like oh this is new instead of oh this is now here you know this is my space and the the ranch is failing and like their way of life is going away this very like kill or be killed type of of approach and obviously it's jordan peele so there's so many more you know genres if you want to just put Mm. them in the boxes there's many to choose from but yeah yeah. That's what I think. But the cinematography is such a big part of it where it's mm. like watching these people travel along the horizon in their <laughs> shots and like how big everything is compared to them. How much they... Something I like about Jordan Peele movies is he shows a lot of people like driving place, place to place, which is a stupid way to get around, but it is how we get around. And like in America, there's just so much space. And like yeah. that is what you spend a lot of your time doing is just being in a car. And I feel like this movie really... Like, it takes them 10 fucking minutes just to go from door to door. Like, yeah, to get to the outer fence yeah, or whatever. You yeah. get a real good sense of how, how wide this space is and how empty it is until it isn't, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, that's mostly what the cinematography is based around, is mm. exploring those big wide open spaces. Sure. And how your 
like interacting with with it so like the the big thing that i feel like this makes the rounds online every every once in a while is that virtually all the night scenes are day for night scenes right i had no idea um there's no natural sky in this movie beyond a few incidental like close-up shots oh shit it is 100 percent cgi really yeah okay which is wild to think about yeah yeah and it's because they needed to control the clouds, what the clouds were doing. Sure. Because <laughs> it could be, like, it just feels like a continuity nightmare. And also, one of your major plot points is that cloud doesn't move. Yeah. Like, that's just... And you can see it. If you know, like, yeah. if you go to rewatch it, you can see the one cloud that never moves. And it looks like it was a video, if it was a video game, you'd know to go and, like, punch <laughs> it for coins because it looks wrong. <laughs> it's got a different depth than the rest of them. Yeah, very yeah. much. Like, you can... By looking, you're like, yeah, it has a different density somehow. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the the thing that makes it all look real to me is that virtually all of the dust is practical. They just had helicopters mm. flying over low and kicking <laughs> up dust. Nice. So it, all the physics looks right. Sure. So you have that backing up. the Anything that's like a combo of practical and CGI is how... You know it's That's good. That's what G- CG should be, is just, yeah. to, just to emphasize. Which I think is very cool. So the the only thing I was going to mention, the day for night stuff. Yeah. Uh, so what Hoyt van Hoytema did was he rigged up a lens that reacted, let's see here, created a camera lens rig that tried to mimic how eyes behave in the absence of light. Okay. So the really wide open aperture to capture as much light into it as possible yeah the big um, pupil yeah which feels like the opposite of if you're trying to make night sure make a night scene and i think that's like the big thing is oh it's a night scene in a modern movie that means i will see fucking nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> good luck just go to the bathroom during this part <laughs> yeah and it's because you're doing it all through really closed apertures because okay. you're trying to limit the amount of light coming in so he's doing this huge thing to, like, capture all the light he possibly can into this. Okay. And they would shoot the, the night scenes at, like, high noon. Okay. Uh, and then he would side-by-side, side, so one is uh, color, and then he would side-by-side side capture in the same lens black and white. Okay. And then somehow in the combination of those, he would, like, eliminate the light out so that what you're left with is effectively night, and then you do the CG on the sky. Okay. So, like, all of the lighting is taken care of by the the combination of the black and white and then you do the cgi sky to support what you think you're seeing oh and that okay. makes it day for night and then you do the cgi clouds and all that sure, and, sure. yeah oh, that's okay i that's the clearest explanation yet that i've heard of like a camera <laughs> setup my brain just goes to static whenever i hear camera explanations but okay i can yeah. see how i mean that's that's such a like why didn't anyone think of that before of like make a camera that behaves physically the way an eye would I, to perceive feels, night? The logic of it, of it feels off because you're like, no, I want to shoot a night scene. It's dark at night. Yeah. I don't want light in there. I want less. <laughs> but then it just looks like it's dark during the day. Like, <laughs> yeah. you can tell. Yeah, okay. Because it's funny, like, you look at the shadows in all the night scenes and they're wrong. Like, they feel wrong. Oh, really? And I, I was watching it this time and it is, but it, like, I hmm. feel like because it's crafted as such a nice complete package it feels wrong in a horror movie way right where sure, you're like yeah. it almost feels nightmarey dreamy sure um yeah i'm thinking very specifically of like the the part where and i don't know whether you have a take on whether jean jacket is doing this on purpose or not i think it is where it's dumping blood all mm. over the farmhouse and like dumping its you know garbage it's yeah. it's digestion garbage on them that part looks 
wrong, but you expect it to look wrong because what you're seeing doesn't make any fuck. It's horrifying. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, you have no frame of reference. <laughs> that I could see. Yeah. Well, you think that he, that Jean Jacket's doing that on purpose? To, I think yeah. it is. Yeah, because it's like a territory thing, right? Yeah. It's like when what what's the kind of lizard where it sprays poison out of its eyeballs, like that kind of thing, like the at its enemies. Dinosaur in Jurassic Park. Yeah, sure. Yes, that kills Newman. Um, <laughs> Whatever that turned into. Yeah. Like the yeah, I think it's a territory thing. I like that. So the thing that I was thinking about this time around was what is the journey of Jean Jacket? Because there's there's <laughs> a thing of like. I don't know really how long this movie takes place over, like a couple of months mm. probably, right? And it Maybe. I, I, I think it really is like a week. Like you get the oh, flashback yeah. with, you know, Otis Senior, but mm. speaking of animals doing territory things, our cat, <laughs> cat is pushing stuff off the shelves. Are you pleased with yourself? She's thematically appropriate, folks. <laughs> and she knows it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh I so I'm thinking about like I guess this isn't necessarily viewed, but I'm thinking about why, what sets off Jean Jacket to start, like, what's the thing that sets it to start being like, this is a threat. I'm going to eat your horses. I'm going to, like, kill your house. Right. And I'm thinking about how Stephen Young's character brags about, for, like, months, it's been appearing on the edges and he's been, like, letting it suck up horses. He's feeding this thing and it's getting larger and larger is what I think is going on. (laughs) And it's like, oh, I'm now big enough to take on this house. Oh, like I, maybe. I've matured enough. I've got enough mass. Well, every every time you go into the, you know, Jupiter's Claim, like the theme park, there is, there's flashing lights. There's a train running doing its little choo-choo thing. There is, you know, there's carnival games. There's people yelling. There's kids running around and screaming. I think it's just a source of, like, mm. uh, it's it's almost presenting itself as an enemy uh, not on purpose. It's just noisy. It's loud. It's bright. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's, I... yeah. I was also thinking of it as, like, it might be the equivalent of seeing, of a predator seeing a watering hole, of, like, oh, look at all the prey <laughs> gathered around. You could ease, I do yeah. like your thing where, like, you know, you're not supposed to feel, feed wildlife because then they'll start getting used to humans oh, and start yeah. coming around and that causes chaos, more of them die. Mm-hmm. Um, people die a lot. Um, don't feed bears. I just want to throw it out there for anyone who knows, bears aren't cute. Don't feed bears. Well, let's not go crazy. Bears are cute, Okay. don't feed them. <laughs> don't feed them. Keep them cute, don't feed bears. <laughs> anyway. Um... Yeah, so I I think that's a totally legit way to... It's just like, oh, an endless supply of food? Never moving from here. Yeah. Great. And no other predators that we know of. Like, there's no other aliens that we can see. Because it took me a while to, like, really get Stephen Young's character, Mm. like, what's going on there. But I think, like... It does reward a rewatch. Yes. All the Gordy flashbacks felt like... I can't... I know this is related, but I can't really (laughs) figure out how. Yeah. Um, But it feels like the... His whole thing is like, oh, I can, I can control it. I, I got along with Gordy. Gordy didn't attack me. I'm yeah, so good with I animals. I made it out. Yeah. I can feed this, and it'll think that I'm just like Gordy. We're, we're buds. I'm the good kind of exploiter, or like, yeah, they get me or whatever. So he doesn't have the warning bells going off that OJ does. Yeah. So like, that's the fundamental difference between their approach and that like I think seeing right. that really locked it in for me of like the combination of oh he is actively feeding it and trying to build up I think you're right this yeah. rapport with this animal well yeah, yeah should we talk about the Gordy 
of it all. Yeah, let's talk about Gordy. <laughs> I think this feeds well into your, you know, pardon the pun, your jean jacket. Um, I'm, 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 I'm the medic arc. Um, the, the, the Gordy's home thing is kind of spliced in. It opens, you know, you can see the aftermath of the chimp attack in the very first scene. Yeah. And then it's kind of spliced in as flashbacks for Steven Yeun, or it's, it, there's specifically a segment for it later on. But I think it's very much, you know, you flew too close to the sun. You had, it was the 80s, whatever. You had, you had a chimp actor and there have been many cases of i guess this is specifically based on a, a specific chimp oh that, i don't think i knew that but yeah. the, it seems like it could be based on every chimp yes. <laughs> if it was placed in front of a human don't feed chimps <laughs> yep. uh yeah yeah i think you're 100 percent right where ricky gets away scot-free essentially not mentally clearly oh no but <laughs> he physically is unharmed and you know the chimp is even going in for the fist bump after he fucking rampages through everybody else. Yeah. And I think that's Ricky's like, oh, I can't be harmed, but not by animals full stop, but like there's something special about me because he keeps that's the it. shoe. Yeah. You remember this like OJ's the, talks about a bad miracle? That's yes, that's Do what I was think, gonna say. Yeah. yeah. The, shoe the shoe upright is the first shot of the movie even too. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, wow, what does this mean? What could it mean? And Ricky is, you know, as a child actor, like underneath this table, trying to hide from the chimp murdering his co-stars and all he can focus on, which is something that happens to the brain during like episodes of stress or, you know, if you're going to have PTSD later brain, the brain is just going to recall very specific, seemingly insignificant yeah. details. Well, it's, it's like car accident of... victims talking about like hyper specific things, but then they yeah. can't remember large chunks of no, exactly of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Being like, I had a piece of gravel, like touching my eye. I remember very specifically, but then they don't remember like who else was in the car with them or whatever. Yeah. So he's got this thing embedded in his brain of just like, I, it must have meant something. I got away from this for a reason. You know, I, I think that's his take on it. It's just like, I can do it. Yeah. Nobody else can do it. I can do it. It's like a bizarre ego building form of survivor's guilt. Yeah. Where it's like circling yeah. around. <laughs> yes, I agree. But to become, yeah, it feels like he's doing the... It's the perpetuating abuse spectacle stuff mm, where, like, yeah. he ultimately is like, I got away from it. Therefore, Gordy's place was good and right to yeah. do. We should do that again with a UFO. <laughs> yes, I have, a, I have a lot to say. I have a little segment, if you don't mind. So I have a lot to say about that later on. But oh, okay. yes. So I think that definitely feeds into, like, Jean Jacket is the Gordy, is the new Gordy. Of course, That yeah. he can control and he can make it work for him now because he's stronger, he's smarter, he's, like, grown up. Yep. And he's like, no, I'm going to take charge of this. Yeah. It really all hinges on his character in a weird way that it does, feels yeah. underplayed almost. Like, yeah, you can kind of just get away, you know, of your from your first viewing being like, it's weird that Steven Yeun had this whole backstory. Yeah. <laughs> but then you're like, oh, oh right. <laughs> and that's a, so we did a rewatch of a bunch of a bunch of Jordan Peele filmography. Yeah, we watched. Some oh, Jordan just a Peele handful. Films. Yeah. So, <laughs> and he's so good at taking like disparate-ish elements and causing them causing them to intersect <laughs> writing them to intersect in a like a really organic way which i think is really cool totally. the thing that i a scene that is such a it's not a nothing scene but like it's played for comedy that i love that feels like it almost sums up the whole two different approaches like oj's versus uh ricky's yeah is when M is trying to get holst down to shoot the ufo the first time she's on the phone talking to him and he asks her what it is. And she says, we want you to shoot reality. 
Right. And he scoffs, and OJ's like, no, that's stupid. <laughs> no, 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 you don't mean reality like the California way yeah, of saying it. You mean documentary. Right. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, that's so stupid. And it's so funny how big of a gulf there is between those two things that are, they're not purported to be the same thing, but they're, yeah. like, advertised to be the same thing almost, you know? Like, yeah. reality programming is trying to capture, like, real drama and all that. Like, Authentic. And everybody knows it's the... It's, it's scripted. Yeah, it's the conversational equivalent of wrestling. Like, that's right. just... <laughs> be entertained, no problem. But if you yeah. think it's real, boy, I've got several bridges to loan you. <laughs> but I, I think that that really encapsulates the spectacle stuff of, like, there is a good way to do this, and there's a very bad way to do this. Like, <laughs> And I also like the introduction, like Brandon's side of things. I love, I love uh, Angel's character, and I mean yeah. that's just a straight up reference to the to Evangelion. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Like, I have to assume. Um, there's like one of the overarching things, you know, uh, addiction to spectacle and like just consuming stuff and discarding the human element or whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever can't be absorbed, you just don't think about and get rid of. Yeah, um, obviously that's inorganic shit with Jean Jacket. There's a big underlying thing of, like, black artists being erased from film history, mm, which is uh, an unfortunate thing. And there's a, a there's a sweet Buck and the Preacher um, poster on the oh, office yeah, wall, is, which is a super fun Western, very historically important. Yeah. But I feel like Angel is almost that. Like, they're just like, oh, come and set up our shit and get the fuck out of here. And he just keeps warming his way back <laughs> and in. he's not supposed to be part of this, yeah. but he makes himself part of <laughs> yeah. this. I know, he just won't go away. <laughs> he's like the one thing that manages to overcome that concern spirit of like no i'm part of this no no we're, we're friends now yeah. you have no choice yeah <laughs> yeah no i agree yeah. yeah it is a very funny like he's just this well he's a digital native right like he's a he's a gen z type yeah. and he's yeah. he's grown up with surveillance and and this sort of stuff and he's just like yeah this is of course i can see under your property of uh, at all times yeah. i work for best buy like yeah. <laughs> or fries pardon me yes yeah <laughs> yeah i like that about him he's he's just like there like new friend new ally <laughs> yeah even if they're like you're a little weird yeah little little boy coming and <laughs> screaming at their ranch i every scene with him is very funny he's like so great yeah yeah so like the things you've got spectacle and exploitation you got i feel like there's uh uh obviously twilight zone stuff is always going to be part of jordan peele but i feel like there's like a b-movie spirit to it and that just oh totally be... yeah okay you agree okay because yeah. i'm thinking like oh a creature feature therefore b-movie <laughs> right I mean, there is something charming about the B-movie where it's just a guy wearing a costume. You can see the zipper. Yep. But sometimes it's, like, pretty creepy or you're still, like, you get a little jump scare out of it or whatever. Like, yeah. there's there's something very human about the B-movie. The yeah, I love B-movies. And the, the last element that, like, I feel like it's it's very obvious and they talk about it a lot, but I like how much the thought of communication is, like... Mm underlying a lot of the script stuff like there's your your close encounters right yeah well the thing that i was thinking about this time oj and angel's first no it's not their first discussion but when angel comes to the farm and he does his like yelling uh about like my girlfriend just broke up with me all that stuff <laughs> oj really distinctly walks up to me and says like hey look me in the eyes don't do that and oh he, yeah there's, <laughs> i didn't even really notice that that's what don't don't do that <laughs> yeah there's a lot of discussion of eyes and stuff but that's yeah. a real like you can feel the oxygen just get sucked out for a moment where it's like, no, this is a serious thing. Yeah, Don't we are do making that. eye contact. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like the first time I caught that it's really 
explicitly mentioned, but there's stuff like the opening bit where OJ's on the film set and he's got the horse and all that. Yeah. He won't meet anybody's eyes. No, yeah. the, these two, the siblings, are very like autism brother and ADHD <laughs> sister, you know? <laughs> I think that's that's very much... Yeah, he's he's a, he's a backstage guy, right? Like, he yeah. he's not on camera. He provides the horses that go on camera. He's not comfortable being paid attention to. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of nonverbal communication throughout. Loads yeah. of thumbs up and eye contact. Well, their little and... like their little I yeah. see you motion is very cute. <laughs> their cool uh, sibling uh, high five yeah. handshake thing. <laughs> I love that moment. It is so cute. It's uh, I love it because there is no discussion. Like no, there's no, no. like oh, there's a cool. They never do it again. No. It's just they're it's fucking clearly hyped. something that yeah. <laughs> And there's so much, again, acting. Mm. Not a hot take to say, like, Daniel Cooley and Kiki Palmer are good actors, but, Excellent like, actors, yeah. there's so much little, you know, OJ will just give a little, like, what do you want from me shrug, or she'll just do a, like, ugh, you know, motion with her head or whatever. There's so much nonverbal communication Kaluuya between them, very specifically. This is just a case of having seen Kaluuya in so many things. He is such a master of ti- tiny, tiny yes. little movements yeah. that you know exactly what he's thinking and yeah yeah he's so good he's so good god damn he's... this might be my favorite movie with him like oh, my yeah? favorite of his performances i know get out is probably like the popular one but yeah of course. i don't know man there's something he just does so much with so little in this you know i feel like getting to see judas and the black messiah was uh, a real, like true, that true. is the almost exact opposite of every character like i'm used to him yeah. being the stoic not taciturn quiet, yeah taciturn, yeah <laughs> where it's like oh here's a guy who is hyping up the entire <laughs> have world. you heard of fred hampton <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And yeah. that, that was a moment that, like, oh, he's like a once good, in a generation good. kind of good yeah. actor. Okay, no, he, hell yeah. He's good. That's very that's true. Stuff. So that's that's all I had in my notes to talk about. I want to well, hear your exciting segment you're bringing to us today. Yes. Well, I, I love that you had, you know, so much of that, like, the, the arc of Jean Jacket and, like, why <laughs> it's doing what it's doing. And one thing I do want to note, too, is that yeah. in the design part of it, I forgot about this, the, mm. the snapping, like, the, the eyeball, oh, yeah. the flaring eyeball, it sounds like a camera shutter. Oh, yeah, Weird. it does. It's got that, like, undertone of, like, click, click to it. It's very cool. Yeah, I like it's it very a lot. cool. Um, and it does, I mean, it... This is a thing that, like, oh, they ha- they would have no way of knowing, but it, it ties together nicely. The little, um, uh, what do you even call them? The flappy boys. Wacky, wavy, inflatable, I forget, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the car dealership tube men. The flappy boys. Yeah, flappy uh, boys. They look like the eye, also. So there's Oh, be, yeah, true. There's some level, oh. like, they shut down by the time Jean Jacket gets close because of electromagnetism but they it's the same colors as it's yeah like very bright eye. colors very like flapping and like ribbony and yeah, yeah. so like True. unbeknownst to the haywood ranch they're just antagonizing it even more yeah it's like well i can't go over there but i want to fight them yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure and uh, last bit I wanted to say about all that is just the TMZ guy. Great, great scene. Great Such little a bit. Good, I think that's really there to be like, do you guys get it yet? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, every once in a while you take a thing and make it terrifically unsettled. And I'm like, this rocks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can get things. on board with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much. Excellent. 
Yeah. Well, the, I feel like TMZ is a good lead in. I don't necessarily. We, this is a new segment in that we haven't done it before, and I can't imagine when we're going to do it again. You but, say that, but I got like things like I'm expecting Camel Corner to come back that we did once <laughs> in the Mummy. I'm going to find fair, a use for that. Fair. So oh, never say never. Wonderful little bit of like he wears the brightest possible hoodie at the end to yeah. lure Jean Jacket away, and it's his bright orange Scorpion King. <laughs> That's right. Crew hoodie. So good. Perfect. Uh, so in a way, a Camel Corner has made an appearance here. Yay. We did it. Okay, I'm going to call this one Now You See Me. Ooh. Just to talk about like how literally like how things are viewed in this movie. Mm. Viewed capital W. Uh, <laughs> capital W. Oh no. Viewed. <laughs> viewed. <laughs> how Cap- they were viewed. <laughs> yeah. Capital V. Yeah. And uh, But smaller case W then. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, you. the rest is normal. <laughs> Oh boy. And the act of viewing and, and how Jordan Peele kind of co- goes about look having us look at people looking at things. Yeah. yeah. I, one thing I love is them looking at Jean Jacket. So rarely is Jean Jacket actually the focal point. And yeah. to mimic their trying not to look at it and yes. all this. I love yeah. this. Shit. Yes. I'm yeah. Excited. Great, like threatening, very Jaws, right? Of like, yeah. you can only see the fin. You can only see this one, like the eyeball in the clouds out of focus. Yeah. yeah like in some of those scenes, it looks like uh, it's a big hat that, uh, that some of them are wearing. wearing. Yep. I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I have to assume it's on purpose. It's very funny. VFS Thank people you, putting Peele. it together yeah. just giggling to themselves. <laughs> He's got a big hat. <laughs> that giant orange hat Homer wears. That's <laughs> what I, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so like you said, Jordan Peele is so good at just like tossing a random handful of the seemingly random handful of elements, you know, at you at Mm. the very beginning of the movie. And then by the end, you're just like, yeah, yes, it was all worth it. All (laughs) of it. I will never distrust a Jordan Peele opening. Yes. Um, So the opening card of this one is a Bible quote, which isn't like isn't necessarily a an unremarked upon part of Peel's movies. I think yeah. there's always like a biblical or like a punishment element of some, you know, mm. playing God is a big thing. You Again, know? that feels very Twilight Zone parable. Yeah, to- totally. Yes. So the quote is from Nahum 3.6. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Who cares? <laughs> I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile and make you a spectacle. And no, please don't. I'm going to do it. And that's... Uh, talking about it's like a Sodom and Gomorrah type situation where the city of Nineveh is um to be punished for for its wicked ways or whatever Mm. and so you know spectacle is kind of the big linchpin of the movie right that's I think they say it a bunch in the Jupes uh uh, Jupiter's claim like sideshow and yeah when he's doing his like pre-speech yeah Yeah. his pre-roll there's that's the that's the element of the movie right a spectacle is it good bad what what do you get out of it what do you have to put into it what can it take away from you (laughs) all this kind of thing um so you know the survivor the only people who survive are the ones who like don't look at it right just a classic like horror movie creature feature type of trope but the the word spectacle is kind of the part of it that like put everything clicked everything into place for me because hmm. the word spectacle actually means object like as almost as french i think as soon as the word spectacle was invented it came to have a connotation of object of derision or object oh. of mockery, public <laughs> humiliation. And so oh, object yeah. is really like, if you're a spectacle, you have no humanity. It's been taken away from you. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so there's this tug of war in this movie between like trying to 
treat others, animals, people, whatever, mm. as spectacle and trying not to become a spectacle yourself in the yeah. process. Writing that fine line between exploiting and working yeah. alongside. Yeah. And so it's obviously it's very it's crucial that it takes place in Hollywood and mm. it's, you know, and that, uh, well, let's go through like. You know, once you become a spectacle, you ha people don't see you as fully human, and it's really almost impossible to come back from. So it's this yeah. sort of like, don't tip over that edge because you're not gonna. You might literally die if you get viewed too hard. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like Ricky calls the aliens the viewers in in his little. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, clearly that. capital V as well, right? But, yeah, clearly. Yeah. It also makes me think of uh, Angel's um, coworker, who we only see in the one scene, who is just like standing off eating popcorn yeah. while he's like screaming into. <laughs> the phone yeah. and she goes like what happened to oj like yeah. she does not care that a human is in trouble no she just yeah. wants to know how the story ends or whatever yeah. right no exactly yeah so you know in order there's this spectrum of like spectacle to not spectacle <laughs> but also some intersecting axis axes where obviously the clearest example are the cast of gordy's home where they get they get made into a spectacle so fucking hard that it becomes like that's the show isn't even what their lives are about anymore. Mm. It's the aftermath of the show and that one day and that one accident. Like yeah. Jupe has people pay money to come stay in his home yeah, overnight he, because they don't see him as a person. They see him as like a like an object in TV history, like a, a part of it. You they know? go into his little room of the subconscious. Yeah. Oh my God. That's not upsetting at all, right? Yeah. Let me just wall this off. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. But like he was a child actor, clearly, right? Yeah. So he almost oh definitely God. sees it as a good thing that people are... That he can commodify this because he means it, it means he can make money off of it. So in his mind, like he's got this fucking Stockholm syndrome of like, yeah. good people are paying attention to me still. Like you know, in Hollywood, like this very it can be gone in fifteen minutes kind yeah. of relevance. Thing, but he, right? yeah, yeah, I was gonna the, that's the word relevance was going through my head. Like there's a yeah. little voice, there's a tiny child voice in his brain screaming, "I'm relevant still. I'm Love relevant. me, look at me, pay attention to me." <laughs> Definitely right. But he's still like he's clearly not quite right. Like he mm -hmm. has, I think either lost his humanity or he knows that he he's lost it with like to other people because he's got that fucking thousand yard stare and he can't talk about the incident directly he has to, to talk of, about Catan. yeah has to talk about the snl sketch based on the accident which not cool <laughs> snl in this universe god damn people died yeah they did yeah uh, we also see his other co-star, Mary Jo Elliott, his like yes. first crush in the showbiz. She shows up at the launch of the Star Lasso experience. Mm -hmm. I think she's the only other person to survive, but she has to wear a sweater. Like the face, the the chimp ruined her face, yeah. And she has to wear a sweater with her headshot on it. Oh, so I that didn't picture, see that. yeah, that's oh, what she's shit. wearing. Is so people, she still has to be like, look, I'm this object. Look, oh, man. I'm it. You know, that's upsetting. Yeah. And she has to wear the, the veil. And this specifically, like her whole deal is the survivor of like the famous chimp attack. This is what she's based on is oh. reconstructive surgeries and okay. just like all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, she has to literally wear a picture of it. Like she, these people have absolutely no choice. They got made a spectacle of, they, yeah. they were made a spectacle. They, their lives are ruined, you know, f to one degree or another. And all they can do is like trying to, at least they, they try and at least profit off of it. Yeah. You know, but it does feel you can like do. I was saying, uh, Ricky's perpetuating the, like he's just doing totally. the abuse 
A hundred percent. Yeah. No, that's that's all he can do. He is he's left no other choice than than to do this. And like this isn't exactly a glamorous gig, right? <laughs> like he might be making more money off of the weird couple that go and stay in his little knickknacks room than than the actual park. But yeah. in the middle of a desert, just yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, so then there's, like, on the other side, I think, are Angel and Antler's Holst, the cinematographer that they call. They're sort of the opposite end where they're very obsessive recordists. And they, Mm. like, they make a living off of perceiving and recording, like, other living creatures, you know. I guess, like... Antlers is a famous cinematographer, but he seems like he either works specifically in or is particularly interested in recording documentary, right? Like animals fighting, like these big moments in the natural world of like, these are life and death moments for animals. And Mm -hmm. I always get this like, why isn't anyone doing anything when I watch (laughs) planet Earth and you see like, you know, cycle of life, creatures got to eat. But that's just like it's he's this very detached like viewer very of much. life and death moments in the natural world right? yeah every time we see him at home he's just watching he's just watching footage, footage. of animals killing each other he looks insane yeah he does look insane <laughs> but there is something about like i yeah i like that i didn't think of that that he he doesn't want to interfere with anything he doesn't yeah. want to become part of it no he just wants to record it he yeah. wants to capture it it just like it puts him above in the viewing hierarchy you know it (laughs) gives him kind of control over over the others yeah and like he's just looking at objects that's what he's doing he's reducing things to objects and angel is almost a permanent viewer but like he's he just grew up in it he's a digital (laughs) native like it's not even by choice necessarily it's just by default like his industry is technology and surveillance like he's got vr headsets at home just for fun (laughs) like how you know how else can you see the world like he's kind of adapted to it by you know, he's the bane of, like, he was born into it, and, and he's using it as a defense mechanism almost, yeah. right? Well, it feels like a level of tourism, too, of, like, I need yes. to get out of my shitty life. Yeah, and, totally, yeah. yeah. Look at other people's lives, tap into their cameras or whatever. Yeah. And so in the middle, I think we have OJ and M. So they're, yeah. they're, it's tough because their legacy is based on, like, this, you know, fictionalized for the movie, but the, the, um, identity of the jockey in that two-second clip of a galloping horse, the first exhibited motion moving, picture motion picture yeah yes, moving pictures it's created by an english photographer and it's yeah which was really cool and uh side note nobody knew that horses feet fully left the ground when they galloped until that uh that <laughs> recording uh, i i get yeah. it that's that's what it was for it's like how do horses move um <laughs> yeah so their business their family history is all built on like training renting like selling horses for movies like producing this sort of fodder for viewing yep um and to get a little, little bit of camel corner in here they talked about uh how they tried to do camels one time and it yes. didn't work so they went back to horses and that's been camel corner yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes i actually think it might be the opposite way because then didn't, didn't they not get scorpion king after all they had to go to camels because it's the desert no no they said that the reason that they wound up working is because they tried oh i see okay and then they can get the cameras to play along so they went to the oh okay okay that was the thing that got them to work there (laughs) nice anyway that's funny anyway so their living is yeah (laughs) two in one (laughs) their living is making spectacles out of like their horses but never themselves Mm -hmm. right until they have to like film jean jacket and make themselves part of the spectacle. They have yeah. to like use themselves as bait. They make, but they do make the choice to become part of it. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, we are going to enter this realm. We're going to put ourselves in 
this part of the hierarchy, right? Yeah, because there's some tension about, like, well, we want them to make sure that they're respecting the things that we're making spectacles of, the horses. Yes. And the second that that doesn't work, they get fired. Yeah, and it's this very, like, the second that the horse in, in the commercial they're trying to film at the beginning is has a natural reaction to anything, they're like, you're out, fuck you. Yeah. You can't be perfectly controlled, not worth it. <laughs> yeah. So also the like the crux of chasing jean jacket is this sort of same thing where like perceiving it could capture it on film and like you know vindicate them because yeah. that is that is actually what they're trying to do the whole movie is just capture it to sell the image yeah that's their whole deal which is like well it's not good but <laughs> but of course like what else would you do with it right uh. yeah but you know perceiving it could also get them killed there's mm. so and what I think here is the salient point for a filmmaker like Jordan Peele is that we are extremely used to the idea that like nothing is legit unless it's been filmed unless it's been distributed on mass unless it's been like vindicated by other people through like capturing it but we do still live in a world where like actively perceiving someone who's more powerful than you can be viewed as an act of hostility. And in this case, it's just very, like, evolutionary biology, like, you know, big puff-up, be big predator thing. But, like, think of, you know, cops yelling at people to turn off their cameras if they're arresting someone or when citizens get barred from being in the... in in city council when they're making cuts to public services or, like, this, this idea that... Being able to not be seen, to stop other people from looking at you, hmm. is a form of power and it gives you the upper hand. Yeah. OJ and Emerald are in the middle because they're smart enough to realize, oh, we could use that power. We could, like, not be seen and not create that friction by averting our eyes mm-hmm. so we can, like, sneak around and not be seen by it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And choose your moments, which, yeah. like... OJ no, putting totally. up his hood with the big green eyes on the I back. love that so much. That's such a, like, middle finger in the language of the movie. You're like, yeah. no eyeballs, no eyeballs. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, but, like, again, for a Jordan Peele movie, like, the kind of, of people that get challenged to prove and record their experiences are often, you run, they're, they're the people that run the biggest risk in yeah. trying to do so, right? Like, yeah. it focuses attention on you, and that can be deadly for certain people. To have attention focused on them. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Peel chose, like, black ranchers and jockeys as the backstory mm-hmm. for the Haywoods. Because historically, jockeys in particular, but also ranchers, like, definitely, like, black jockeys were the norm for a long time. Because mm-hmm. it was just, like, you know, you could be out in the barns, like, white people didn't really have to see you. But they yeah. were really good at it. And it was mostly black jockeys until that sport started becoming more legit. And that Uh-oh. that jobs started becoming more legit and proper yeah, and then and it was like oh well we can't have and... black people doing it even though that's the whole that's why it became legit in the first place <laughs> and then it was back to white jockeys for <laughs> the longest time and like you know when you get too good at it you draw attention to yourself you run the risk of being kicked out of your position yeah you know and like uh ranching often the same right where a black family could like take a parcel of land that nobody really wanted or that had been abandoned or whatever make something out of it and then draw too much attention to themselves and have other people you know other white people come in and be like no this is ours now happened all the time yeah like the the reason 
fucking the preacher shows up in this. It's like a calculated thing. Like the oh, all, I'm sure we yeah. all know this now. Majority of cowboys were black people. Like it was definitely not the like white think people. about it for a second. <laughs> like so, you have all these emancipated people who need to be on the go because people are not wild about you either not being in the towns where you should be working, according to them, or being in their towns at all. Yeah. Yeah. But Buck and the Preacher was, like, written and made to be a, like, no, we're going to try and course correct what is being depicted because it is fully wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's this, yeah, exactly. Like, there's then this whole idea of, and we won't see... The mm. black people who who like built into America's history. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna rewrite the history. Yeah. And again, just like the spectacle of like, wait, now you don't get to be a spectacle. Like even that's been taken away from yeah, you. Even the very small amount of power you have in being portrayed and being <laughs> visible has been taken away from you. Yeah. So there's this you know very storied history in America, obviously, of who is allowed to perceive, who mm. isn't, who can leverage being a spectacle, yeah. who it's dangerous for, just like full stop. And we have just a wide range of characters and and a relationship to spectacle hood in this movie, <laughs> which I love. So like know. the whole there's yeah, it's a whole two classish thing, which I feel like yeah. every one of and I mean duh, everyone appeals movies <laughs> has that like. There is the person capitalizing on the underclass yeah. of, so, of some kind. And sure, sure. Incredibly obvious in Get Out. Pretty damn obvious in us. Incredibly, yeah. <laughs> Slightly less They're obvious They're literally here. underground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slightly less obvious here, but still just like fucking everywhere. If you want to read a single thing into it, you yeah. start getting like, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, that's, that's the now you see me of it is like, that can either be a good thing or a bad thing. And Jordan Peele is a really, is a good enough filmmaker that it can be both at once and you can move yeah. between those states and like the, the, the path that you have to take this like obstacle course yeah, no, of, I- of getting through it safely is literally <laughs> on screen and metaphorically and that's something I know I I struggled with Us and uh, Nope versus Get Out, because Get Out is so explicit. Sure, yeah. And Us and Get Out are much more like touching on a lot of things that eventually come together, and sure. I'm a dumb guy that's just like, oh, there can only be one theme, <laughs> yeah. or there can only be one underpinning thing. Right. But to see that it can be, it's not that it's messy, but that like, to my dumb brain that wants a single through line, right. it seems messier, so therefore it's harder to... It's rich. Yeah, it's rich. That's yeah. the way to say it. Yes. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. You're so welcome. Uh, that makes it much more interesting to find your own interpretation and talk to people about that. Yes. Yeah, I'm so excited for whatever his next movie is going to be. I like, know. There is one in the works. Oh, I yes. know that much. But yes. yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it's a real, like, it'll never, it'll always reward or rewatch his, his movies. And But they the, the crazy thing about them, too, is that you can also just turn off your brain and have a great, Shit. like, monster movie time yeah. with it. Like, there's so much grisly, gross shit in this movie. Like, one of the more uncomfortable, like, I'm not claustrophobic, but I am now, you know, <laughs> where you get to see. And hilariously, the if you search Nope on YouTube, the first in the top five like autofill it's you know nope ending explained of course nope trailer and a third thing but then nope digestion scene and nope gordy scene (laughs) and of course like that's of course people want to just pick out the grossest most upsetting most violent parts of the movie and just like i just want to see that out of context i just want to be able to watch that whenever i can it's just (laughs) such a like 
yeah, power, testament to the power of the movie, I think. It's functioning as the thing, but also making commentary on the thing at the same time. It's so good. (laughs) This is the same thing. But if I had to, like, pick out a scene that I'd want to see, I just want to see Jean Jacket uh, fronting against the the fucking... Yes! The the big balloon. Oh, yeah, that's right. I want to see them, like... I love that. Me too. <laughs> I love that shot because it's just one of them's a balloon and the other one thinks it's in a fight for its life. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the most like just vapid expression on the balloon's face. Howdy. Howdy. It's like I love I'm it fucking, so much. You want to start something new, buddy? Yeah. What? 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 What'd you say? What? Flash my eye at you. <laughs> it, when you think about it, he's just winking. Yeah. She, he, there, they're just winking. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, for the listener, Aaron is winking at I'm me. I'm winking. I'm taking it as a threat <laughs> to my person and my territory. Oh, they're both winking. The balloon is winking. Oh, and, then, and then he's just trying to make friends. Just trying yeah. to hug him. Oh, so good. Yeah. So that's my segment where I have to put westerns in the mix. <laughs> and that's I get... I <laughs> it's a perfect one for it. There's literal westerns I mean, in the backgrounds of these what shots. Are you one of the... Yeah. yeah, this... I mean, you can watch it as just a popcorn movie because, goddamn, when, like, Emerald looks up at the end and OJ is standing there and the smoke clears and he's on his horse and he's framed in this little, like... Yeah. You know? Out yonder. <laughs> so... So good. Very satisfying. Yeah. Excellent. Well, like. thank you for that. I, as the normal segment bringer, I enjoy experiencing your segments. I hope to bring it back in the future. It's a very interesting, uh, to me, topic. We should. Well, we'll watch now. You see me, and now you see me too, and then we'll. Have... <laughs> That'll be the new. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be the spinoff podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'd love to hear. I feel like we've kind of gotten there already. But do you have any other closing thoughts? No, I think that's uh, that's really it. Is just like it's so cool that it functions as like this very heady commentary on the thing itself well being the thing itself that's yeah. very cool to me i would categorize this as like the art movie of it um mm. where it looks amazing but it's also got the like real you know emotional beats and the acting is fabulous and it's a cool fucking concept it is you have a fun time it's all yeah the message is delivered in such a in such an intellectual no, sorry. In such a like carefully considered way. That's mm, that's yes. how I think of it. Yeah. It yeah. is incredibly clear. Like it's not trying to obfuscate anything. It's no, very no, no. clear, but it is no. articulated very yes. considerably. The yeah. the the point isn't the type of delivery. The yeah. point is the point, but the delivery is also very cool. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. What about you? Well, I kind of mentioned this before, but I just love that how Twilight Zoney all of Peel's movies feel. I just it's yeah. the what if blank happened. <laughs> What if there was a scary cloud? (laughs) Yeah, which can feel so boring. But he, because he's intersecting all these themes and there's a lot of stuff going on to like richly build stuff out, Mm. it it doesn't feel bad, obviously. (laughs) But that's why I mentioned the B movies, is because most sci fi horror B movies are that, like, what if a guy was tall? Like, it's so. Yeah, silly I know. on the surface like if you explain, where you're like how am i supposed to get more than five minutes out yeah. of this yeah. like you tell somebody go watch nope yeah it's about um this like this fucking thing that looks like a hat that's eating horses and you're like, <laughs> like well, okay man yeah okay <laughs> uh-huh. um but it, it just all of his movies and this one especially feel like they're much greater than the sum of their parts mm. it's a lot of parts yes and then it yes. comes out as one package somehow because movie yeah. magic. yeah yeah i think so too yeah so that's what I think. Um, nice. 
and now you kind of you kind of let us know that you're using this as your your artier movie. I I did I did um, tip my hat a little bit there. So I want to hear what your trashy movie you're putting with this is. Cool. I tip my hand, not my hat, but I can tip my hat too because I, this is a western. I wish you would. <laughs> I'll go get a hat. <laughs> I should have been wearing my big hat for this. Um, yes. Well, I don't think it'll surprise anyone to discover that I paired this with Buck and the Preacher because <laughs> yeah, obviously I did. <laughs> but it's so good. It is so. so good. It really is like it's just a. It can be just a fun shoot 'em up. Uh, it's it's about functionally the same thing where you know these cowboys have to defend their homestead yeah. you know whether metaphorical or literal yes yeah, from... Poitier and harry belafonte yes, yes yeah as respectively buck and the preacher <laughs> and they're so good together they're this very like you know the preacher is can we trust him can't mm-hmm. we he's not really a preacher so that's not entirely you know it, it's this very like there's not just but both movies aren't there aren't just one type of guy, good or evil. Yeah, it's very this, much. Yeah, you've yeah. got a range of characters and you can sense their motivations for everything. They are historically informed and, like, there's mm-hmm. there's so much backstory, clearly. Like, being portrayed on screen without being said, mm-hmm. um, especially if you know the history of the American West. Yeah. And, you know, and just very much. But it's also such a movie you can just be like, Go, Sydney Poitier! Like well, it's it's just fun and fun to see them succeed. And yeah. it's it's a real like it's got a fun soundtrack and you know you can fully turn off your brain and it's just oh an action western or yes. uh, a buddy buddy action buddy western, western. Yeah. yeah totally that's yeah. all it is and then exactly you can take those extra layers if you want they're there for you yes yeah. it is this idea of like. Uh, the so of uh, the in case you haven't seen the synopsis is a wagon master it's Poitier and a con man preacher Belafonte help freed slaves dogged by cheap labor agents out west yeah so they're trying to like people want to settle you know they've been freed these slaves they want to settle the area but they're being uh, hounded by people who are trying to like Pinkertons essentially who are yeah. trying to drag them back to the plantations and like make them work. Pinkertons are always evil though, just to mention Oh, that. sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's the one group that is always evil. Yes, it's always right to bully Pinkertons. Um yeah. So that's the synopsis and it's a very, you know, there's this like sweeping, you know, action pew pew western type of thing and there's shootouts and there's horse rides and there's, you know, tense moments where like is he going to have safe passage through like the, mm-hmm. you know, the tribal country and uh, yeah, but it's it's very much a the delivery of it is in that language of B movies where yes, it's shootouts and it's you know big strapping guys <laughs> uh, riding the old west and yeah. all that language is very very straightforward, very familiar, very pulpy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the message I think is about the same. It's just this like you have to defend what you have. It's going to put you in a position. In a in a dangerous position because yeah. people do not want to see you, and being yeah. seen is dangerous. And I think there's an important layer of the the big difference here is that you get to make the choice. Totally, yes, yeah. very much. Like there is, you know, OJ and Emerald are in that middle. Like they get, they have the agency. They get to make the decision, um, and likewise, you know, the preacher gets to to make his decisions, and Buck mm-hmm. gets to make decisions about about what to do. Yeah, whether to put themselves in harm's way in that way. And, yeah. like, being perceived can be dangerous, but it can also be very vindicating. And uh, how do you how do you balance those things? And what do you how far are you willing to go to mm-hmm. to be perceived or not? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yes. So that's what I'm it's, such, it's such a classic. A real good, like, I feel like it's underseen. 
I feel like people know about it a ton, but not actually that much. See, definitely go watch it. I feel like it was hard to track down for a while. Yeah, Uh, maybe just distribution. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a good, a a copy that you wouldn't like be tired from squinting at how bad the print was. Yes. (laughs) Also that. So that's what I'm going with. Nice. Yes. More people need to see Buck and the Preacher. Go for it. Um, What about you? Well, me... Uh, I'm not going to say more people need to see this movie. I think that it's just a fun pairing. I mentioned the Twilight Zone connection up top. I've never actually seen a Twilight Zone episode. Oh. I've only seen the B-movies that were ripping off no. Twilight Zone episodes. <laughs> I've seen the scary door from Futurama. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. too. Um, I don't know this for certain, but I imagine Peel thinks B-movies are fun. Uh, you get that you, you, you assume, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm going to pair this with a super trashy B-movie that's like a ripoff of a ripoff of a ripoff that's about communicating with aliens and animals, trying to like figure out what's being said, who's a threat, and all that. Okay. Where the creature design feels like they were working with kind of the same inspirations. And they both have a, like, we've talked about how crafted Nope is. And for a B-movie, this one has, like, some serious crafty credentials. Mm. This is a movie from 1989 called Lords of the Deep. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, just directed by Marianne Fisher, but it's a Roger Corman production. It sure is. B-movie yeah. king. B-movie king. So uh, the blurb on this is that America's first self-contained undersea laboratory is the pride of the nation, and expectations are high for an elaborate undersea mining operation. What wasn't expected was that there would be inhabitants in this undiscovered world. <laughs> the aforementioned Lords of the Deep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man, this fucking movie. Roger Corman can turn $5 in 24 hours into a blockbuster. He's, <laughs> he's great. And, like, B-movies range from so bad it's good to I hate watching this. And sometimes they're like, wow, you really overcame your, your shortcomings to make a good and entertaining movie. Yes. And this one's almost there. Yeah, the- they knew what movies should be, clearly. Yeah. They had a vision. And this this is like Abyss Light, the Leviathan. It's ripping off yeah. all of these movies. Um, yeah. It's coming out the same year. It's the, if you know about the Asylum, uh, that they, they're the group that makes like um, Atlantic Rim and uh, oh, right. all those ripoffs. The same idea back in the 89 was we will make this movie so fast and get into theaters before the Abyss comes out <laughs> so that we can pick up on that before, you know, we're the shitty one. Yeah. Um, but the, the whole movie is a lot of like bottle episode type things. We're stuck on this this uh, undersea station. Yeah. But deciphering alien biology and like there's attempts at communication and what does it mean? Is it threatening us? Are they friends? Are, are they friend or foe? Yeah. Uh, and the bad guys attempts to capitalize on the aliens for profit is a big part of it in there. Um, but it, it's like super standard B-movie fare yeah. and a, just goofy as hell alien design. It's so, <laughs> the reveal of it is is just it adorable. It is a laugh out loud yeah. moment for sure. It. Yeah. Uh, but the, so the reason I'm pairing these guys though, because you could pair anything with this, is that there's like storied history behind this. <laughs> this is uh, one of the big breaks for a young cinematographer, Yanis Kaminsky. Oh, shut up. Yeah. No way. He was the second unit DP. This fucking movie. Uh, but his footage looked so good that they couldn't use most of it because it made the movie look like such shit otherwise. <laughs> but there's a lot of like, they use a lot of his like establishing shots and some like creepier lighting things. Sure. But it's, he doesn't get credited because they didn't use most of his footage and Roger Corman's the worst, but a also great. A little bit great. of a bitch, yeah. Um... <laughs> But it's one of the things that he uses as a stepping stone to get into a bigger career, which I think is so great. That's so funny. 
and to prove Good that you're him. never above taking the the B movie jobs, you're just making your way through the <laughs> the studio system. The VFX were done by Robert Skotak, who had just won an Oscar on his last job for the VFX in Aliens. Oh fucking hell! And his next movie was The Abyss and T two. Like oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> How? How do you even have that man's phone number? And, like, people asked him about it, and he was just like, yeah, it's a fucking job. <laughs> I, like, I have to eat. Yeah, but he was like, oh, I'm working at a Roger oh. Corman production. I can do whatever I want. And <laughs> Actually, that's got to be true, yeah, where you just get to do the volunteer gig. Yeah, I can experiment. I can try out new stuff. It's a way to move his craft forward. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> with no expectations. With no expectations. <laughs> Oh my god! Just so funny. And same for the director, Marion Fisher was was like one of the Corman stable, and he would bring up his his stable of directors, and often right. it was female directors because he knew that they couldn't move on because the studio system sucks. So. He's a he's a weird a titan of the craft in yeah. a sense. Yeah, a weird a weird guy with a lot of like oh yeah you're really good at this, <laughs> huh? <laughs> Why doesn't it look like it? Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's Kaminsky. That's so funny. Oh. Yeah. So Lords of the Deep. Mm, wonderful. So that's my my official pairing. But I want to also say this would make a really good pairing. So we both took Nope as the artistic one. Sure. If you want Nope to be the trashier side of things. And this is like a real apples to oranges type of thing. And mm. let's be serious. They're both arty movies. But I feel like this would also pair very well with Asteroid City. I was just going to say we, we watched it like yesterday? yesterday. Yeah. And I was sitting there going like. Oh, I should pair those. (laughs) (laughs) But it felt like cheating somehow. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. And also, it's very new. I don't want to get into spoiler territory. No, no, no. Or the chance of it. Yes. Yeah. But that's Uh, uh, totally, yeah. Go see Asteroid City. I think like a life-changing event and how how you process that as as an Earthbound person. That's enough. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, go check out Earthbound, a lovely Super Nintendo video game. (laughs) It's very cute. Good music. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. I'm gonna look up that scientific paper. I need to know about <laughs> Jean Jacket. Yeah. Are there? Is there more of them? Did Ooh. they invent more Jean Jackets? Here's the question: If it is a species, that implies that there's more of them. Mm-hmm. And the stuff about like, well, they might be tied to biblical things. They might have right. been on Earth for this long. Maybe they're aliens. All these answers. Is it enough that Peel might do a, his first sequel? I don't want him to. Ah. I'm fine with it. Do you want him to hand it off to somebody else or do you just not want it to exist? I mean, I don't need it. I Mm. I would say that. Yeah. I think it would be very funny if they started doing like a predator type of thing where it's like predator in the middle ages or like, you know, they do like this, you know, world event where it turns out that it was a a jean jacket. I thought you were going to say like predator two where it's like, and now jean jackets in the city. In the city. Well, kind of. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm thinking more like prey, like, oh, this event was, you know, the firebird is actually a predator and (laughs) the angel is actually jean jacket. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. We can we can hope. We can Maybe? only hope. Yeah, I'm, a... I'm torn because I do yeah. have the thing of like, well, don't do it for I know. to capitalize on the thing. I, I I reiterate what I said earlier. They it's already all there. They did the work. They put yeah. in the research and the development and the the R and D on the jean jacket. And uh, I think what they came up with speaks for itself. That's my opinion. Nice. Yeah. Well, we did it. Ah, oh, thanks for bearing with us on another horror summer movie in our Sunscream series. Sunscream. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of Starscream, the Transformer. That's true. Which is not a horror movie, so you won't hear it this season on the podcast. 
But do tune in again for our next sunscreen where you will hear about a horror movie. And I think we decided on it, but I don't quite remember, so I won't mention it now. Or <laughs> I'll awkwardly paste it in later when we, yeah. Great. Well, here you go. Uh, I'll do the awkwardness and you can cut it out if it's not sure. what we're doing. Uh, we're going to do a nice old-fashioned French movie, Diabolique. Dun, dun, dun. We'll be covering that guy, and in case you can't tell, we're much we're uh, enjoying the off the beaten path horrors this summer. It's not yeah. necessarily the tent poles. That's for Halloween time. Yes, this is for just. We'll do our little treats yeah. this this round. <laughs> yeah. So uh, rate and review us wherever you can find us. Um, write it in at your local bodega. Uh, just like if they got a, if your building has a complaints box, put in their garbage rules. Um, we will hear about it. <laughs> we got our ears to the ground. And we our eyes to. in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope that you'll join us next time for another pile of garbage. Thanks, y'all.